This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hi everyone, and very much welcome to Breaking Banks Europe, series number 204. And this time we're zooming in on the Belgian case. What's happening in the Belgian ecosystem? It's a very vivid one, uh, and we know that we're it's a very keen to actually explore what's going on since we've got the Digital Finance Summit in Brussels coming up 8th of December. This is the time where you can actually check out the Belgium fintech ecosystem in person. And to make everything easy for you, we're going to tell you a little bit about what's going on and why you should go. I'm doing that together with Alessandra Guillon. Good morning, Alessandra. Good morning. <laughs> Good Hi. morning, Don. Good to have you here. Uh, and we're going to talk to Quentin Comment from Cover. Good morning, Quentin. Hello, Don. I'm really happy to have you here uh, because I'm uh, really keen, especially as your next door neighbor uh, from the Netherlands, to uh, l listen to you and uh, discuss a bit what's going on in the Belgium uh, ecosystem. Uh, I think it's uh, it's really cool uh, how you're connected throughout Europe and I see a lot of cool news coming from the ecosystem. So uh, let's explore a bit uh, what's going on. Uh, but maybe first, let's uh, tell our listeners a bit more about uh, uh, who you are. Um, can I start with you, Quentin? What, uh, tell us a bit about uh, yourself and about Cover. So um, I'm in Quentin, I'm the, the co-founder and CEO of Cover. Uh, Cover is a Belgian-based uh, pan-European insurtech, and insurtech is part of the fintech family and mm -hmm. focusing, of course, on, on insurance and technologies. Um, I've done my entire career in, in insurance. Um, let's be clear, you never choose to work in insurance. You fell there by accident. <laughs> um, you know, I was working in the, the corporate world for the first eight years of my career. And then I, I decided with my associate Jean-Charles Welch to, to launch a, a cover. And, and long story short, cover is an embedded insurance orchestrator. What does it mean? It means that we enable any businesses at the pan-European level, including the UK, of course, to embed insurance into the value proposition in, in a very digital native way. And we will orchestrate the entire insurance experience. Uh, for some few examples, we actually collaborate with a lot of fintech at European level. Um, if you are the user of, of Revolut, the Neobank Revolut, yep. most likely you are a client of Cover because a lot of embedded insurance into their um, premium card plans are actually uh, uh, provided uh, by, by Cover. Uh, same with Monzo in the UK, Lydia in France, Canto in France. Uh, we are also working with ING Bank. Huh? You're from the, the Dutch mm -hmm. ecosystem. Done. Uh, but we are working with ING Bank uh, in Belgium. Um, so we are very active, but not only to provide insurance to fintech, but also a lot of digital native players like, like Gig Economy, Deliveroo, Lovo, um, like, like e-commerce, like motor space. We are actually very active in the Netherlands and in Europe in motor uh, with several uh, EV yeah. uh, brands. Okay, nice. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're doing uh, doing great there. Uh, uh, so I think that's it's really interesting. And so you're a big fan of the embedded uh, finance uh, movement uh, that's going on. Uh, I would expect. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm generally speaking a, a big fan because we actually have a mission and a purpose that, that resonates a lot with the concept of embedded finance. And, and that might sound awkward first, but our purpose is that nobody in the world needs to buy insurance anymore. So you are wondering, okay, does it mean cover doesn't want to sell insurance? Not at all. We really believe uh, to create a society where whatever happened to anyone, you are fully protected and covered because insurance is embedded everywhere into our ecosystem. And I think, generally speaking, the, the great advantages of embedded finance is to be able to integrate the right value proposition at the right moment of time, trying to avoid building what we call a one-size-fits-it-all solution, yep. but really for every individual experience, to build a bespoke solution and experience that cover the right risk that is, that is convenient for the final user. And whether you speak about embedded finance or embedded insurance, it is very similar at the end. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. Okay. Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting. But I think so. Also, if I would listen to that, you're really reliant on collaboration with, especially larger and incumbent players uh, as well. Besides the tech natives, how do you see that relationship going? Is it really a different kind of relationship that you would evolve with uh, the digital native players convert to the uh, the, the more incumbent uh, insurance players or banking players? So we are we are a pure enabler and 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 you know it's really creating women so partnership and and I think there are two types of partnership. First of all, um, as an insure tech and we also want to to stay capital light. We are not a risk carrier and and because mm -hmm. you know when when you partner with company like like Revolut or Monzo, they want to be sure that the one providing the insurance has a very strong balance sheet. Huh? And let's be clear, you need a multi-billion uh, capitalization for that. So since day one, we are working with a lot of very large established uh, risk carriers. Um, Deloitte of London, National Netherlands, Chubb, AIG, uh, Elvesia, Zurich Insurance. So, so for we, the nature of our business is that we do collaborate with a lot of traditional players. Uh, furthermore, what they see is that they are offering themselves to win kind of tech native uh, partnership. And they realize that it goes in the two directions because they are very strong in carrying the risk on the balance sheet. But you know, when it comes to how to orchestrate and to execute those kind of embedded insurance deal, they are actually knocking at our door asking cover, could you help us? So, so we really develop these kind of two-sided partnerships. Okay. What is interesting uh, to what you said is that it's true that we have been focused a lot on digital native business. And, and what is interesting, if you take like a neo bank or a new digital player, they see Europe as one country, right? If you are a Revolut user in the Netherlands or in the UK or in France, the same tech, the same platform, the same experience, the same operations. So when those guys need to embed insurance, they need a partner that is able to provide a pan-European solution with a unified solution and processes. Yep. If they go to traditionally traditional risk carrier, they tend to be locally organized and to cover the 32 countries of Europe they build 32 local insurance factories. So, so it's really a value proposition that's speaking a lot to disruptive players. Having said that, more and more traditional players, whether it's a retailer, a car manufacturer, they are shifting toward looking at a regional distribution or a multi-country distribution approach. Even like traditional car OEM, they were selling car locally and so the insurance was also very local. Now they go with EV online and try to do a multi-country play and a direct distribution. 
So actually today, we are more and more going to very large deal and our solutions speak a lot uh, to, to traditional players that go to the digital way. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, I think it's really, really interesting those developments, uh, which I think indeed are, are relevant for a large part of the, the fintech field. Um, and I'm really curious to get your take on that as well, Alessandra. Uh, so it's really nice to have you here as uh, as representative of uh, FinTech Belgium, uh, which of course is also the power behind the Digital Finance Summit uh, on the 8th of December. Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, and your uh, lovely assistant that's uh, sitting on your lap. <laughs> Not sit actually. <laughs> That's the annoying part. Uh, so yes, I'm Alessandra. I'm the CEO of uh, FinTech Belgium, and uh, really happy. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 happy to be here, and I'm really uh, I'm I'm excited by uh, the the Digital Finance Summit because I see a lot of uh, uh, different countries coming to join us uh, on the eighth of December, and uh, yeah, and also I see you know uh, our members developing like super fast, like cover. Um, and one of the, the 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 topics of the DFS will be uh, embedded finance. Now, we called it uh, finance everywhere. Uh, JC uh, Jean Charles, the uh, the co-founder of Cover, will be also on stage talking about that. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited. And uh, not only uh, you know my background is not uh, as you said, uh, Quentin. If you don't decide to come and uh, <laughs> work in finance. Uh, when I've been told that uh, I was going to work in finance when we founded uh, FinTech Belgium, I said, no, thank you. Uh, and uh, and in the end, I was told, yeah, that I was going to actually yeah, support another, you know, another type of entrepreneurs and, and, and ecosystem that is actually bringing, you know, uh, transparency and, and, and customer centricity and uh, um, and so on. And that's where I thought, okay, the values are good. The, the values are in line with what uh, I believe in. And uh, and now with embedded finance, yeah, it's getting even more exciting, I believe, because uh, in terms of consumers, it's, uh, uh, as Quentin said, you don't even realize that you are getting a microcredit when you, uh, when you buy, you know, on certain retailers. You don't know that uh, you're just you know, just pressing one button and everything is done. You don't know that when you get a uh, a bold uh, uh, or, or a poppy car here in Brussels, like a, a little car for three minutes, you're insured behind. You, nothing is, uh, everything is seamless. And I think it's really uh, exciting times. We're living exciting times yeah. in that respect. No, true, true. Also posing for <clears throat> quite some challenges there, because I think, uh, you know, once consumers uh, realize less actually who's behind the products and what's actually going on, that also puts them in a risky position potentially. Uh, so it does uh, put some new requirements on the way we communicate uh, about products and and also how it's being regulated. So uh, the, yeah. the end customers could actually rely on certain uh, trust uh, in the system. Yeah, indeed. And uh, but that's where also I think that's... Uh, uh, I mean, FinTech Belgium represents uh, 132, 33 now uh, members. And we have, uh, I mean, we have a charter and this charter uh, really pushes those values of transparency and everything. And um, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's the key as well. You, you won't be able to survive in, in, in this world where people are becoming more and more critical about everything. Uh, and I think that's, yeah, I think that transparency is indeed key and it's, it is already, uh, you know, pushed by uh, by the regulators, but I think it's also part of the the, the main values of uh, most of these guys. So it's really nice to be in there. Yeah, 
No, definitely, <clears throat> definitely. And so I think you represent uh, with fintech Belgium mostly uh, startups and scale-ups in the in the tech space, right? Uh, in the fintech space, uh, how yep. would you describe your relationship with the other stakeholders uh, that are relevant? Uh, think about uh, you know incumbent players or the regulators, investors. Yep. Uh, can you tell a bit about that? Yeah, um, so we have uh, three missions, and one of them is to be really the federation for fintech. So we are the uh, the, the, the spoke, uh, um, you know, person for for uh, uh, all the regulators on the one hand, uh, European Commission through the uh, European Digital Finance Association that we created together mm-hmm. <laughs> with Holland yeah. fintech and many others. We are now seventeen uh, hubs as well. Um, and uh, carrying the voice of, of fintechs. And uh, otherwise, we also are very much uh, connected to yeah, most of uh, most hubs around the world. I've just come back from uh, Singapore where, uh, yeah, I've, I've met so many again of them. And, and uh, it is um, what we're doing is really uh, trying to help all our members to, to expand thanks to these relationships. So we can't know everything and uh, and all the markets. And so the best way of, uh, you know, supporting them is to be connected to these, uh, to the, the, the specialists and the experts of these markets. And so that's mm-hmm. what we do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, that's one of the things we do. And then uh, on, the, yeah, on the Belgian side, we are also very not connected to uh, all the associations like uh, Febilfin or Asuralia, which are the uh, the local federations for banks and insurance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And does it work and, well together uh, with the incumbent players? Or do you see that that's a, let's say, is the, the traditional financial industry in Belgium actively looking for partnerships and sort of reinventing themselves uh, in the market? I come back also, I went to, to Spain like a, a, a good month ago, and uh, there actually the banks are the ones uh, innovating uh uh, as well a lot whereas in Belgium I think that the fintechs are the ones that are uh, the most innovative and are bringing the solutions to the banking sector so uh, also some really interesting figures on that respect is the the, the B2B uh, space in Belgium is much stronger than uh, than uh, in other countries uh, European countries before COVID we were talking about like 50 or 60 percent ratio of B2B compared to B2C on the fintech markets in Europe mm-hmm. yep. and since COVID it went up to 80 percent which is completely logical with uh, digitalization and but in Belgium we're talking about over 90 95 percent of the, the the fintechs are in the B2B space and uh, that's one of the topics as well of the the, the digital finance summit is uh, how Belgium is a heaven for B2B, and uh, it is linked to the fact that I think it's the size of the banks as well, which doesn't enable them also to, to put uh, as much money as in other big countries or big, bigger banks into uh, innovation. And um, and also the market being, I mean, we are 11.5 uh, inhabitants, um, 11.5 million inhabitants, and I think that you know it is um, it is a, a pretty easy landscape to figure out, and uh, and therefore I think that the yeah the, the 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 fintechs can find the banks quite easily. Now I'm not saying that it's easy to push the doors. So. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, will certainly yeah. be able to say more about that, but um, we do we do see. Uh, we have seen, of course, the same evolution as in many countries uh, in terms of relationship between the incumbents and, and, and the fintechs before there was a lot of uh, 
haha, they want, uh, they want, they, they're not scary. Let them do whatever. Then they thought, okay, we need to. Uh, we, we we are scared of them. They are a threat. And now what I see is more and more uh, the fact that uh, they are actually uh, becoming uh, um, really collaborators, and and we can see more and more interest in fintechs, and banks are realizing more and more that. Um, it won't be possible for them to uh, to answer uh, all uh, you know the, the regulation, the weight of the regulatory framework is becoming heavier and heavier, and they won't be able to 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 face this on their own. As much as the market is changing very quickly, the customers mm-hmm. and and uh, players like retailers and everything are asking for financial products more and more and the distribution can't be done uh, just by the, the the incumbents and that's where the fintechs are really key um in, in the in the whole story so um, yeah i think that collaborations are getting better yes yeah. If I can jump in, um, I, I agree with you, but I would add a caveat is that I, I still would split the market and maybe you say for a lot of market into two parts. There are incumbent, there are, there are established players that want to only focus on the local market. And you have kind of, you know, strong Belgian banks or strong Belgian insurers that are only looking for the local Belgian market. And they are not actually really needing, they are not in the need to get, you know, support from fintech disruptive player, insurtech player, because they know the market, they are champion in the market, the regulation is local and it's easy to cope with. Um, I see that a lot of companies that try to be a bit broader or that are operating in many countries, they really kind of start to struggle to cope with a pan-European typically embedded insurance or finance solution. Yep. And it is where they need disruptive player to cope with the orchestration of the many different elements you need, you know, to, to orchestrate and, and associate together. Um, and, and, you know, uh, uh, Don, you were speaking about the regulation. Um, you know, if you're only playing in local, in Belgium or only playing in the Netherlands, I don't think really you, you have a lot to do again, changing the regulation or fighting for different regulation. But if you zoom out as a player like Cover, what we see is that um, in insurance, uh, there are a lot of European directives, but the directive is not an act, which means that every country is entitled to define how they would implement this directive. And at the end, we have a kind of, of spaghetti of local regulation. They all aim at improving and protecting the consumer, but the way they think about protecting consumer would differ. And these make um, um, it's very difficult, and I think it's a threat for the European ecosystem. Why? Because you see a lot of fintech and insurtech that grow in APAC or in the US, they have access to a bigger market. Uh, yes, in the US, it's state by state regulated, but there is a much stronger harmonization from process perspective. Yeah. APAC is a bit less regulated, and then you create global champion there that attract VC money. And once they are very strong and big enough, they can get into the European market. What is interesting is that I've seen a lot of insurtech from the US coming in the European market. I've not yet seen a European insurtech going to the US. And, and I think, you know, um, it's very critical as a federation among different countries to fight for a better European harmonization that will help us uh, to, to build stronger pan-European player whether they are based in Belgium, in the Netherlands, in Spain, whatever, yep. I'm, I'm a European first person. 
Uh, totally agree there. I think uh, this is also what we, with the European Digital Finance Association, for example, collaborate uh, with uh, FinTech Belgium on uh, to actually create, a, to, to, to emphasize this, this message, especially on a European level, as well as on country level, uh, because I think that's actually where the trouble starts. I think uh, in, uh, in Brussels, they have quite a good notion of, uh, and, and quite some nice ideas about how to create a single European market. Uh, uh, but uh, you see indeed that the nation states are still quite stubborn to hand over the controls uh, to this uh, to the central authority um, and that's that's definitely a challenge for especially uh, highly regulated industries where indeed the the, the uh, differentiation in regulations can be really a burden and to um, join uh, on, I, I mean I fully yeah. agree with you Quentin um, on the uh, on the two types of, of actors that we have here in Belgium and uh, in terms of incumbents and I will say also that uh, even the ones that are local and don't need to innovate as much as at some point other players, even though Belgium is a small, uh, is rather small market, other players are going to come in and uh, yeah, it might become a, a threat to them. So that's when you know uh, they, they will need uh, definitely to 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 innovate. But at the same time, they are also answering the same regulation as all the others. And that's where I think that the, the rec tech space uh, that is developing very fast in Belgium is going to uh, take another step as well and, and, and still grow even, even stronger. And that's where I see uh, most of the uh, of collaboration with these type of actors that are more local. Uh, maybe not with the innovators, let's say, or enabling technologies, but really in the rec tech space. Yeah. which is one Not of the, the the biggest sectors uh, in Belgium actually yeah I think uh, there's a, there's definitely a, I think a pan European you see a quite a large push for rec tech firms whether it's on data on ESG or uh, reporting uh, tooling uh, yeah. uh, it's uh, it's quite it's interesting nice. to see that development yeah yeah. Indeed. Um, Indeed. I'm also. I wanted to zoom in a bit on the on the uh, investment uh, ecosystem. Um, and maybe can you give a head start of that, and then it might be nice to ask uh, Quentin to tell us about his journey, uh, perhaps on on raising funding. So um, the Belgian ecosystem has, uh, I would say, two particularities. One, it's small. I, I say small, but uh, we have a lot of pre-seed and seed uh, investors. Uh, this is like, it's actually a heaven for that. And we also have, which is not uh, a given in uh, other countries, is a public investor as well. Um, so these are, I would say, the two main uh, attributes. And uh, when it comes to getting bigger funds, uh, B or C series, then you need to go abroad and bring in uh, the big guns. Then you can't find them. I mean, they know Belgium, they have them in the radar, but uh, it's more to the Belgium to go and get them than uh, than the uh, the Belgian actors to to yeah. to get them. But I can maybe uh, we can hear the the story of uh, Quinton. Yeah, sure. So, so um, long story short, we, we we raised so far a total of uh, close to seventy million euro. So seven zero. Um, so we are a Series C company today. Um, I would say that when we started uh, finding business angel or pre-seed capital in Belgium, it's okay uh, because you have um, a, a kind of a network of of wealthy, popular the people or, or you know former entrepreneur. Uh, but when it go to series A, series B type of capital, it's already more difficult. 
and growth capital at Series C almost forget about it. Um, I, I think you know um, where we are lucky is that at the end we we've been able to be seen as a country part of Europe, and Europe has becoming became a new scene for for uh, investors and a lot of, of VC players. Um, and actually, we raise a lot of VC uh, from the French ecosystem, from French VC. There are a lot of tier one uh, VC there. Uh, we also have a VC money from from UK players, and and also we have a CVC uh, that recently uh, participated in, in our latest uh, fundraising. Um, having said that, I, I'm a big fan of raising money because when you think about it, uh, the the LP, so the investor of the venture capital, they are they are actually global. And when you raise money in Belgium, somehow you re-import capital that was exported 100 years ago, right? So, you know, you, you get, and, and I think we should teach uh, entrepreneurs to raise as much cash as, as they can, because then you re-import cash to develop your local economy and then to grow the European economy. Um, but, but clearly, um, Belgium has the advantage to be part of Europe. Otherwise, it would be very difficult to raise capital. What is still a bit of a struggle is uh, to uh, to get growth stage capital. They also mind the fact that they are not familiar with Belgian law. And you know, when, when you need to create a shareholder agreement, uh, yep. the squad of society and so on, it's, it's a bit very specific and, and they are not always at ease, I would say. And we have had cases where some VCs say, look, um, we're not keen to invest in a series A because the amount to invest is not that big. But the legal expenses are, are, are with that to understand your local mm-hmm. specificities yeah. is too high, uh, and and so it's it's something we have to pay attention to. It's also very much linked to the um, to our culture, I think, the size of the country, but also the the uh, there's a um, yeah humble. The, we are maybe too humble, and and. Uh, Belgians, I mean, when, when I when, when I have conversations with certain uh, entrepreneurs and they're telling me, oh, I'm going to raise like this, you know, 100,000 Ks uh, yeah, and uh, 100,000 euros, sorry. And you're like, why don't you look, why don't you see bigger? Why don't you, you know, just, you know, don't see just Belgium, just see big. And you can see the, 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 the players that are actually seeing bigger, like cover. Like Kirok, which uh, you know uh, raised uh, seventy-one uh, millions as well. Um, some some are looking bigger and 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 raising bigger like yields as well. But um, you know, touching the millions is not something that you see uh, as often as in uh, other countries. And I think that there's there's a cultural thing as well. At the same time, what I see is that. Uh, these guys, the ones that have raised less uh, and have done a lot more uh, with their own uh, funds, they're growing more steadily. Okay, the curve is not like this, like in other countries in, on uh, and, and over-evaluated companies and stuff. Yep. We don't have a unicorn um, yet. And I'm saying yet because seriously, uh, uh, I see some, <laughs> and I won't point any finger, but yes, <laughs> I hope you so. some good potential. Yes. Uh, exactly. But uh, we, we still have two unicorns in Belgium, but not into the fintech space. Huh? When you think of exactly. Drudu and Colibra, those are two yes. great right. examples. Yep. Uh, exactly. But yeah. Colibra is really data, and they left, actually. They left uh, to, yeah. to Holland, if I'm not mistaken. 
and uh, yeah, and and Odoo doesn't want to recognize it's an accounting tech doesn't want to recognize itself as a fintech. So, um, but um, so we don't have in our fintech space in our definition of the fintech space we don't have a unicorn yet. Um, but it also shows, I think, another type of curve. And uh, whether it is good or not for the future, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, <laughs> the world is going fast. But at the same time, it went so fast that with the crisis that happened, uh, a lot of them that went like this went like that afterwards, whereas ours are going that. And they had, they might have seen a, a, a little bump in, the, in, in their curve, but it, they haven't completely crashed uh, yeah. for most of them because I think it's, it's a more... Um, that's the it's upside of being a bit more conservative, right? So if you're a bit yeah. more conservative, uh, you also have less risk on your uh, in your operations, probably. If you're, and I think that's also what I do see traditionally. Also in the Dutch market, uh, investors are more aimed at uh, uh, break even uh, in a foreseeable time, instead of just you know pour out the money and uh, then we'll see where we'll get the next round. Uh, what you will see more in uh, in uh, in America, for example, I think uh, there's the conservativeness definitely doesn't always pay off because you will might grow a bit slower. But uh, especially with uh, the downfall in valuations that we saw uh, and the sort of crunch in VC capital, these companies are now better financeable at this moment than the ones that actually raised that enormous valuations. Yeah, uh, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on, uh, keep also in mind that another story is. Um, companies or founders that decided not to continue to grow but but to sell and, and it's also a question is that maybe at the moment you want to secure what you have built uh, i have three examples in mind recently silverfin uh, was sold for i think more than 300 million uh, euros silverfin is a, is a fintech that was active or well, still active in in automated uh, financial reporting uh, we've had of course clear to pay that we know very well yep, that was exactly. uh, acquired by fes uh, yeah. And we've also Ogon, the payment gateway that was acquired by Ingenico. So, so actually, I think those three one had kind of unicorn potential, but maybe they decided at a certain moment of time to to stop yeah. the journey. And it's also maybe part of, of a cultural uh, blocker of Belgian people uh, to to you know uh, instead of continue for more growth to secure what they have right. Yeah, yes, I think it's indeed. also the unicorn sounds like the the thing everybody should be should be looking for. But I would always really argue whether that's actually really the case. Um, so, thanks indeed. for the for the examples, Quentin. Um, yeah, I think we almost have to wrap up. So I would like to get your final take on things that people should be coming to DFS for. Uh, so what, why should they come and check it out? Uh, Alessandra, I probably should best start with you. Uh, what can people come and get uh, when they come to uh, to Brussels on the eighth of December? So, uh, apart from the fact that it's the best event in Belgium, uh, no, but uh, seriously, it is the biggest event. Uh, it's not because I organized it that uh, it is the best one, but uh, it's from 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 people coming uh, in the in the previous years that uh, I, I can say I'm just sharing what they said. Um, we it is the biggest event. Uh, we're touching all the the latest trends in fintechs. I, I mentioned too. We will also uh, look at the regulation. Um, you know the state of, uh, you the expect state. Uh, regulators, banks, uh, insurance, these absolutely. kind of firms. Absolutely, absolutely. That's and... one of the things. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, in terms of topics, we will be touching all of these. We will be touching regulation, and also we will be touching uh, AI, uh, Gen AI, data governance, and and everything. So that those will be the topics. Then, in terms of uh, attendees, we're expecting between six and seven hundred uh, attendees. 
which is the biggest event in Belgium. And it is uh, indeed, we will have like 60% of banks, financial services, uh, fintechs, and then the rest is uh, tech, big tech. We have uh, regulators, um, legal offices, consulting companies, investors. Uh, stage one will be like, uh, you know, the, the usual main stage with panels, with uh, keynotes. Uh, uh, we will have like Reinders coming from the European Commission on, on stage as well. Yep. Our main partners are, uh, uh, you know, MasterCard, uh, Microsoft and Visa. Uh, also, uh, a, a local telco, uh, Proximus, which has developed a, uh, a digital KYC solution, uh, and so on. And what we do as well as FinTech Belgium is that we give 50% discount to all our members that are uh, still startups, so that we actually don't have just the big ones, the, the ones that have raised and have got the, pot, the, the, the budget to be there, but also the smaller ones. And so you really have... Uh, an exhibition hall with nearly 35 exhibitors with a really a wide range of uh, of, uh, of players. So in yeah. terms of networking, I have to say that um, that's where I, uh, I see the magic uh, much more than even in the topic, because I think that you can read a lot, you can learn a lot, uh, you know, even on the internet. But it, the, 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 the magic of the, the, the DFS, and I think it's also proper to our uh, market. I don't know how it is in Holland, but in Belgium, you need to be there to, uh, to meet people and, uh, and, 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 and to make connections. Yeah. Uh, we are very open to, to, to any other uh, culture, any other uh, international player. Um, and, and we are not protectionist, and that's not in our culture. Uh, we are very much open, and but we need to meet people, and everything is in the human contact. And the DFS is really that place where you're going to be able to meet all uh, all the players. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think still innovation is ve- it's a very social game. Uh, that in the end it works is. best uh, exactly. uh, uh, with the pleasure of a uh, Belgian beer and some uh, gourmet <laughs> food, as we are always uh, renowned to get Indeed. when you go to to Brussels. Indeed. Uh, and also one thing that I forgot to say is that uh, yesterday we actually announced uh, all the, uh, you, uh, the the finalists, but we are organizing a European fintech pitch battle uh, where twenty fintechs are going to pitch in front of uh, a jury of 20 uh, of, uh, of investors, sorry, startups in the morning, scale-ups in the afternoon, mm-hmm. uh, to maybe win an award by the end of the day with some prizes. Um, we have, uh, and I think that Cover actually uh, won one of these awards from years ago, but a while ago. And, uh, so there's a straight correlation there with their latest success. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think so. <laughs> cool. Thanks, thanks Alessandra. Quentin, or anything particular you're looking out for uh, uh, the coming period? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I, I think I wanted also to to um, insist to really to to join uh, the summit on, on December the eighth. And I think what is interesting, uh, there are three three points that come out of my mind. Number one is we are close. We have the chance in Belgium to be very close to the European institutions. By the way, last week I had a delegation from the European institution coming to to get to know the, the reality of companies like Cover and, and Octa can accommodate yep. that. So it's not about lobbying, but it's also interesting the mindset and, and that yep. help a lot uh, innovators. Number two is that because Belgium is small, a lot of fintech are, are looking at pan-European level and also a lot of partnership uh, and, and try to enable all the business and with a good karma and, and we are easygoing people to, to do business with. So, I mean, you should also come with a, a perspective of, learning and maybe thinking about partnership because together we are stronger and better and last but not least 
of course, it's a unique uh, opportunity to, to catch up with my co-founder, VC, because as I say, Cover is a very strong enabler of, of fintech uh, to help other to embed insurance programs into their value proposition. And it has a huge impact on generating more revenues or increasing customer loyalty or reducing customer acquisition cost. So I think that's the three best reasons uh, to come. Yeah. Great. Well, I think that's a that's a really compelling case. Uh, I'm in any case uh, really uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing you there in Brussels on the eighth of uh, December. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I think it's time to wrap it up. So um, I wish everyone in Belgium and the Netherlands have fun with uh, Sinterklaas uh, just before uh, the DFS uh, kicks off uh, with all the presents and candy. Uh, and for the rest, uh, I'm really looking forward to learn more about uh, uh, what's happening in Belgium in a couple of weeks' time. So uh, thank you for joining, Quentin, Alessandra. Uh, been really great to have you on the show and looking forward to seeing you in person soon. Thank you for listening to Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.